Welcome back, everybody. I'm Lady. And I'm Alana. And this is Hinter Kaifek, part two. <laughs> so she did the the twist on us. So it was not ready. I did. I I done did, done the twisting. I did the twisting of the thing because this is a twisty case. It's this, very twisty. It it has taken a lot of twists and turns, and I am for sure ready to hear the rest of this. Tell me what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, in true spookery part two thing, let's quickly recap what we've been going over, and then we will segue straight into our horribly, terribly spooky story. Um, I'm also going to say there is going to be warning of description of injuries because I am going to be talking about their autopsies and it's a mass murder. Specifically, it's an axe murder. So oh, okay. the injuries are a little bit brutal. So just keep gotcha. in mind, but when I get to the, the autopsy section, I'll also say like, if you don't want to hear about the injury, please skip ahead. But we're also going to talk about that. Um, so if you're listening to this one and you haven't listened to part one, please do not. Please kindly go back an episode and listen to part one because I'm going to tell you this is not going to make a lot of sense and you're not going to get the full story because the the part one is very important to the story. It's the Um, whole setup. The whole setup. It's the whole context. (laughs) And you know I let that context be be. So let's let's talk about part one. Yes. So uh, part one, I talked a little bit about our victims of our mass murder. I talked about the Gruber family, who is Andreas, Cecilia, Victoria, uh, Cecilia II, Electric Boogaloo, and Josef. Um, they lived in a small farmstead in Upper Bavaria called Hinterkaifeck, which is behind Kaifeck. Uh, we talked a little bit about the history of the family, how they all got to meet each other, who belongs to who, how many, what happened in the farm, the tragedy that was in the farm, a lot, it was a lot. We talked a little bit about the family scandal. If you want to hear more about that, please refer to part one. It's just, we've already, we've talked about it. And most importantly, we talked about the suspicious happenings that happened right before it all came to a head. So, of course, there were the mysterious footsteps in the snow. There was the newspaper that went missing, the key that went missing, the noises in the walls and in the ceiling, and the house made quitting because the house was haunted. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, uh, beginning of uh, end, end of March, beginning of April, the family is not answering the door. And there's activity in the farm, but there's just nobody, nobody answering the door. Nobody's coming out. Nobody's participating in the village get-togethers. So, of course, three poor soul neighbors go and investigate the farm. And we ended right when they opened the barn and got the smell of decay. So, let's pick up right where we left off. Yes, please. So, inside the barn were four bodies. Andreas Gruber, who was 63 years old. Cecilia Gruber, who was 72 years old. Victoria Gabrielle, who was 35, and Celie Gabrielle, who was 9. All four bodies were stacked on top of each other oh. and then covered with hay. Oh. All four had severe bludgeoning to the head. Oh. So, Lorenz immediately begins moving the bodies. Okay. And Michael and Jacob are like, what are you doing? Yeah. Do not... 
and they were like, we should like we found something spooky. We should call the police. Like let's not let's not do that. He immediately starts moving just, the bodies. Immediately starts moving the bodies. The two of the other two neighbors are like, don't do that. And Lorenz turns and looks at them and exclaims, I'm looking for my son. What? Remember, Lorenz is the... He's the alleged father. father. Yeah, you're right. Of but it's weird Yosef. for him to acknowledge it now. And kind of throughout history, he kind of swings both ways. He's very quick to be like, I'm not the father. And then like the next week, he'll be like, yeah, that's my son. And then the next week, he's like, no, 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 that's not my son. Yeah. And th- this is a kind of a thing. And of course, when you see... Especially the woman that you're recording, Victoria's in this pile. Yeah, you see her. You see one of her other kids. I, I think that's a very normal. That your natural response is, there are the there's the other the, the fifth body of the, the family is in this pile, and I need to I need to know. Yeah, I need to know if my the, my one connection to this family is here. So I do kind of understand this grief manifests in a, and I. If I saw my family yeah. like stacked in a pile and covered, I a hundred percent. I know I would. I would a hundred percent move those bodies because I just needed to know. Yeah. Like at that point, I would not be thinking reasonably. But it's also suspicious. It's also very suspicious. But I can understand both sides, and I understand why the the suspicion swings one way. But I can also understand why it doesn't swing that way. So. Well, I'm pretty swung. You're, yeah, you were allowed to be. This is this is the beauty of the story. So. But it is confirmed Lorenz did move the bodies. But when asked about it, he simply exclaimed, I'm looking for my son. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yosef yeah. was not in the barn. So, I've, I've looked at the floor pans of Hinterkaifeck, and I, I've told you about this before. All of the buildings are connected, and some of them have these internal tunnels. Mm-hmm. So there's the main house, there's the stables, there's this barn, and then there's another connecting barn okay. to, uh, that kind of creates this L-shape. So they're in the, the barn that's connected via the stable. So it's house, stables, barn. They're in that barn. So Lorenz, after moving these bodies and not finding his son, he's like, I need to get into those stables. I need to, I need yeah. to get in the house. Yeah. So immediately, the, that door, no problem. They open that door inside the stables, and then inside the stables is the family dog. Oh. Frightened and very, very minorly injured, but alive. Okay. Also inside the stables is a cleaned pickaxe. Oh, okay. Just keep that in mind. Specifically, they just noticed how clean it is. They open it up and they're like, "Wow, here's a dog and it, a, a disturbingly clean pickaxe." Yeah, it it was made it was made mention. It was like pristine. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about it in a bit. But it was it was noticed that there was an out of place pickaxe inside the stable and it was very clean. Interesting. Now remember, this is an expert, so just keep that in your head. Yeah, I know. I'm like, hmm. So. Michael and Jacob noted that Lorenz appeared to produce a key to the main house at this point and unlocked it from the stables. Okay, I was wondering how they got in because up until this point it was locked. Lorenz produced a key. Sus. Lorenz was asked about this later and he was like, the key was already in the lock. We broke in from the barn and this key was in the door to the main house from the stables. Yeah. It was there Hmm. already. Or. 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 But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So at this point, the three agree to split up and search because they're like, "We're three of us. We'll cover more ground if we split up and look." Okay. It's a big farm, and we're looking for a baby. Yeah. And we don't know where this baby is. Yeah. So they agree. Lorenz is going to go search the main house, and the other two are going to go back through the barn. They're going to search the courtyard and the farm area, 
then they're going to meet up at the front door. Lorenz will let them into the house. Uh, I don't like that they're leaving him by himself. But also, he's the town guy, and everybody loves him. Yeah. So the, yeah, they, they split up, and Lorenz immediately makes a beeline straight into the bed, uh, Victoria's bedroom. And, cause, and, he, and from what I can understand, this was kind of common knowledge that baby Yosef slept in Victoria's bedroom. Okay. Because, of course, he's a, he's a babe, and he must be with his mother. Okay, okay. He enters the bedroom, and inside the bedroom is a stroller covered with one of Victoria's skirts. Okay. It's kind of pulled up to cover yeah. what's the contents of the stroller. Lorenz removes the skirt and reveals baby Yosef dead, killed with a blow to the head. So everyone's been killed in the same way. Exactly the same way. All of them died to, with a blow to the head. Lorenz then goes back to the front of the house, lets the other two men in through the front door, and they search the rest of the main house. The three then found Maria in the maid's quarters. Her mattress had been pulled from the bed frame and was now on the floor, and she was sprawled across it. Her head was beaten in. She had also been covered by a blanket. How it's interesting, like, the weird remorseful behavior with all of these bodies, how they were all covered. Yeah. And this person's, like, living amongst the, these dead bodies, too. Like, that's psychotic. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you believe some of the rays, this per- if there was someone living in this house, they were living in this house for up to six months before the crime. That's unbelievable. That is a long period of time. And then they show this weird behavior of covering the bodies, like, almost like, I'm really sorry, or like, or I want to hide my mistake. Yeah, I mean... It's just, it's... Yeah. yeah it's a very strange behavior. Yeah, that's not a normal thing. So during this initial search as well, it was also noted that the animals were really well cared for and the kitchen had been used to make food recently. So someone had been using their kitchen. It's so strange that the animals were well taken care of. Like literally, like you said, like it almost is like a remorseful thing of like, I I don't like in a weird way, like, I'm sorry I had to, to do this, but like, they're still like honoring the family by like taking care of the house, maintaining things like living like that mm-hmm. is just... I don't, I don't it, even know where it, to go with that information. And it's, it's a strange behavior, too, because not only, like, they were living in the house six months before, but you'll find out that this person was living in this house right up until the bodies were found. Yeah, like, literally, like, as they were about to get caught. This like, four days of living with corpses. Yeah, they, living with people that I have, like, they have murdered and just living in that house with with these, these beaten-in corpses. And just taking care of the farm, cooking in the kitchen, almost like pretending that nothing was wrong. It's such a strange behavior. And like lightly skirting other like townsfolk that are like coming by. Like they know that like this guy's like outside singing and this person is just like huddled inside making lunch and just like waiting for them to leave or something. Like I don't even know. Or like hanging out with the dog in the barn and then they see them leave for a minute. They come out and like scurry into the house real quick. Like what is even like... That is so creepy that there's just this person lurking in the shadows as people are just, like, going about their day normally in this town. That's the creepy yeah. part, is literally just this shadow person. And it, and it, it, it almost, it's just like a strange combination of circumstances. Like, if the groupers were, like, a little bit more friendly, if they had better rapport with the people in town, would someone have come in that first day? Yeah. Would that person have been caught? Would, like... There are so many variables and like what would have happened if the groupers had left, if they did have somewhere to go or if they had checked up with a neighbor but like, hey, like our house is heckin' haunted. There's something in our attic. Can we stay here for a bit until we like burn the house down? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Like and it's and it's like there's so many variables and like it's not the groupers' fault and it, no one ever it, you know, nobody ever asked to be murdered. No, like no, no. I truly think that there was nothing that they could have done. Yeah. 
but it's such a strange it's, it's such a strange like, like series of history yeah yeah and it, it's like it makes you wonder were they a victim of their circumstance or were they chosen because of their circumstance you know what i mean like and and, and that really does depend on on whichever suspect you land on yeah because there was a bunch of like circumstances where they were targeted and there were others it was just like they drifted in and they were like yep this will do the other part that i'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around is there are we're six people in this house, right? Because the family's five, yeah. and then there's the six, maid. Five, and then the house. Yes. Yeah. Particularly bludgeoning to the head is, I feel, I, I mean, I've never heard it. I feel like that would be a pretty loud thing that you might hear. How does one murder an entire family of six without... How, do you, how does that happen? We will talk about that. I do talk about that, so... Okay. I have hold a lot. Of, I have a question. lot of questions. <laughs> yes, we'll uh, we'll I'll talk about because of course this this crime scene, as we'll find out, was not preserved. No, so a lot of this is speculation. Yeah, but I they they did do they did the best that they could have done. I think, especially like with, considering the to the time period and what was available. Mm-hmm. But they they do kind of like this is how we think it went down, and they kind of do explore the sound as a thing. Like, how did nobody hear this? Yeah. So that that is, it is talked. About. Okay, good. I won't get ahead of the, the story then. I will let yeah. you tell your story, ma'am. Yes, I will. I will. I, we will address that question momentarily. Perfect. Just put it in your hat for now. <laughs> put it. Put it in the hat. It's tucked. All right. So, at this point of the discovery of said horror show that they have walked in on, Michael and Jacob are like, okay, we really need to call the police. Like this is fucked up. And Lorenz is like, yes, absolutely. One problem though. The police are in Munich, 43 miles away. What? They don't have police in this town at all? They are a small town in Upper Bavaria. There is not an established police force in Kaifek. They have the volunteer police force that kind of like, but they're not trained for this. They're not trained for this scale of horror and crime. They are like, it's like, it's like Bonnie and Clyde. These are small town police officers who are the only thing that they are trained to do is break up bar fights. Yeah. They're like volunteer guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like cousin cousin I don't know cousin Josef and Andreas because they all have the same name. Yeah, just down at down at the pub and they're just like we are literally like we like the police office is is a shed and our police car is a donkey. Like that's all we have. The reason we have this badge is because we were the only guys with guns in the town. Like that was like yeah. Literally it. And we were the only ones who wanted to show up between this hour and this hour. Yeah. Oh my it, gosh. It really is like this town is not equipped for this scale of crime. And the nearest police force that is equipped for this scale of crime is in Munich, 43 miles away. Wow. Okay. So they contact the police, but they're not going to get there anytime soon. So this house just sits with these bodies in it unattended for... What's faster than the police force? is gossip. Yeah. And everybody loves to gossip about the Grubers. Oh, no. So the locals arrive in droves. Oh, my gosh. This is And Lorenz, he was the town guy. So he's like, guys, come look at this. Well, the four bodies over here in the barn. And then if we take a left right over here, you'll see the body and the bed. And then if we just, you know, follow the corridor down here, you'll see the last body right here with the bludgeon to the head. And it's just the whole, you know, he's a good tour guide. Like yeah, that. he's just he's just like, you know what? If you're going to come in anyway, I might as well just show you around. People started using the kitchen to cook themselves dinner. This is so suspicious. 
is this not just so reminiscent of Bonnie and Clyde, though? Just this this madness of these people and this morbid curiosity of like, I want to see the bodies of the Grubers. Yeah. I want to see the bludgeoned in head. Let me use the... This could be the kitchen that the killer used. Yeah. Let me touch this stuff. Can I take this pan home with me? Literally. Oh my gosh. I like, can't even believe that. It also it reminds me of like the fire case, too, of just like everyone coming. Like There was just nothing to do in these small towns. So like just the smallest bit of like anything, they were just like, entertainment! They were like flies to like rotting fruit. Like it was just, they swarmed. Like it's, it's just crazy. A hundred percent. Munich police finally arrived around 1.30 on April 5th, the next day. The next day. day. They took their sweet time. They stopped for lunch. Yeah. They arrived at 1.30 a.m. Oh, okay. So they rested, yeah, 1.30 a.m., but still, 1.30 a.m., they, arri- they rested at the mayor's house since it was still dark, and they're like, we can't do no crime scene investigating when it's fucking midnight. Yeah. There's, we can't investigate. So they arrive at the farm at 5.30 a.m., where Lorenz was still sitting there just waiting for him. This man is so suspicious. I've never seen a more suspicious man in my life. Yep. So lead investigator George Reingruber, what a name. Yeah was immediately upset by how many people had trampled all over this crime scene. Absolutely. Yeah. The bodies had been moved. The things around the house had been moved. The whole ass kitchen had been used. It's literally not a crime scene anymore. Like, this is just... Someone made a morbid murder snack. Somebody somebody made themselves dinner. They made themselves popcorn to go look at the the bludgeoned, beaten corpses of their neighbors. Yeah. What, What gets you hungrier than that? You know crime just gives you one hell of an appetite really and Lorenz was very quick said yeah I moved the bodies 100% and he was like wow okay so because the bodies have been moved investigators would never know for sure which order the family had been been murdered and we still don't know to this day what order it happened in. and that's like the biggest I think like piece to the puzzle that would like really illuminate so much about what actually happened in the house on that day is like you said, just the ordering, because how do you overpower? How do you just, how does that happen? How, how? I wanna know. I wanna know. So there was no blood splatter to be found in the barn, except on the door of the barn that led to the stable. So the path that Lorenz and all of them took Mm -hmm. into the house, that was the only door that had blood splatter on it. Right next to the cleaned pickaxe found the pickaxe in the stables but other than a few rust colored stains it was super fucking clean huh police then conducted a search inside of the house identifying the bodies of Yosef and Maria and they also searched the attic inside they found hay scattered all across the floor into a ma- that had been fashioned into a makeshift bed of course they also found bacon rinds scattered all over the floor and human excrement in the attic corner. Mm, okay. There were also reports, and this was in some sources and not all of them, so I'm just... Take this one with a, with a grain of salt, but there were also reports that there were loose floorboards or tiles in the attic that could be peeled away and could be used to observe the floor below. That's interesting. I feel like... In, so that was in some sources, but not all of them, so... I feel like in order to live in a house undetected for such a long period of time, for up to six months without a family noticing you, they probably would, whether it was floorboards, whether it was 
even just drilling a small hole into the wall. There probably was some sort of weird surveillance that they had to do in order to stay hidden and maintain their illusion. So that's even creepier to think about, to be honest with you, is that not only is this person, like, living in your house, but they're just, like, secretly spying on you. Uh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Keep going. I have more questions, and no. you'll probably make even more. Oh my gosh. I I absolutely yeah. This is a this is a question filled case. Yeah. So, court physician named Johann Baptist Amuller was called to the farm, and autopsies of the bodies were conducted on Hinterkaifeck property on a makeshift table. So this happened at the farm, like wow. immediately, as soon as he got here. Okay. So. Th- trigger warning for description of injury we're going to talk about the actual wounds that were inflicted on each of the bodies and some of them are pretty freaking awful okay so autopsy revealed that Cecilia the uh, the grandmother Mm -hmm. showed signs of strangulation oh and had seven blows to the head which had cracked her skull wow Andreas was covered in blood and his face had been ripped apart and it specifically makes mentions that his cheekbones were exposed Ugh. in his shredded face. That's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. It's awful. Victoria's skull was smashed, and she showed nine star-shaped wounds on the right side of her face, as well as being hit severely with a blunt object. Wow. Celie, baby Cecilia, her lower jaw had been shattered, and her face and neck were covered in large, gaping wounds. Celie was also revealed to have clumps of her own hair in her hands. So her fists were bald, and she had her own hair in clumps in her, in her hands. Oh. As well as bare patches on her head. This indicated to investigators that she had been alive for hours after the attack and laid beside the bodies of her own family, tearing her own hair out. That's probably one of the worst things I've ever heard. This poor, this poor kid. Yeah, that's just... I can't even imagine how, like, that is just... Hell on earth. Yeah. Celia is by far the worst, so... Yeah. That's just... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Baby Yosef. He'd been killed by a singular blow to the face. Jesus. So the star-shaped... Well, these wounds. What is making these star-shaped wo- Is it what we we'll think? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Don't, don't read ahead. I've got there. questions. i got so many questions. <laughs> I know. There, I, I do my best to answer the questions, but yeah. No. We'll just... Yeah, keep, you're good. You're yes. thinking correctly. What are these star-shaped wounds? What are these? But yes, we'll, we'll get to them. So Maria... Our final victim mm-hmm. had been killed by crosswise blows to the head. So from what I can understand, it was kind of okay. just whamp, whamp from either side. Interesting. So Ahmuller theorized that the murder weapon was either a pickaxe or something called a matok, which is a half pickaxe, half axe. It's like a pickaxe on one side and then a flat blade on the other. It's a farming tool. Oh, yes, yeah. I've seen them. It's, yeah, it's like it's a fancy hoe. Yeah, yeah, it literally is. Yeah. So, Andreas and Cecilia Gruber, the grandparents, they were found wearing their nightclothes, which indicated they were either in bed or preparing to go to bed when they were somehow lured into the barn. Yeah. Victoria and Celie were still wearing their day clothes. Okay. 
Maria was still wearing her day clothes, and her suitcase had not yet been unpacked. What time was she dropped off the night before? 6 p.m. That's when her sister left. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Ochmuller then made a very interesting choice, and then proceeded to remove all six victims' heads and sent them off to Munich for further investigation. So he decapitated the bodies. What was his reasoning for that? Uh, better science medical equipment. And just from the heads there? I mean, there was a lot of damage to the skulls. That that, that, that was how all of them died. There was no uh, trauma to the bodies. It was all head... Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, you did say the one body was covered in blood, but there was no actual, I, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, all of the wounds were were from the head, and I can actually I'll, I'll, I can get into this now because uh, I talk about it a bit later, but we might as well talk about it now. Um, they were sent off to to Munich, the the head specifically, because they wanted to conduct a series of tests, um, both just forensically, because forensics was starting to like become more evolved at this time. Okay. But they were also like, you know, what would be really cool? Psychics. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna do some met. We're gonna do some metaphysical tests on these bad boys. We're gonna get some psychics in here. They're gonna tell us exactly what happened. Why not? How else are they gonna figure it out? I mean, like, there's really not that many clues. I I have very mixed feelings on this. I like I I personally I love psychics. I love mediums. They do they do the Lord's work. I love what they do. Yeah. I do not think they have any place in an in actual crime scene investigation. Yeah. I I do I think they do far more harm than they ever help. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, I, this is the one place where I'm like, do, do not, do not, do not get in the way, yeah. please. Like, I, I love it. If you're going to give comfort to the families, if that's what they want, absolutely, please do. But do not derail, do not try and get involved in this way. It's, this is just not the time for it. It's almost like if we were to insert ourselves into an investigation, we are by no means qualified for that. You know what I mean? We can sit here yeah. and, and talk about those things and shed light on things. We are not qualified investigators in any capacity, and we don't belong in that kind of investigation. So I completely agree with you in that regard. That being yeah. said, at the time that this was happening, I can understand that they were really grasping for straws because it doesn't sound like they had a lot of options. And no. I, I understand them really wanting some answers. And so, well, I, I, you know, for 2020, yeah, get the heck out of our crime scenes. Yeah. 1932 we're talking about right now. 1922. 1922. Yeah, this has happened 101 years ago. 101, yeah, 101 years ago, I can understand them inviting the psychic and saying, hey, you know what, let's uh, let's see what you gotta say. Yeah, you know? So, just to, to recap on what the investigators discovered, um, during this time it was confirmed that there was someone living on the property, possibly up to six months before the crime, and definitely in the four days after the crime. Food was missing from the pantry, both from the morbid midnight snackers and also from the killer the livestock was well cared for but because of the compromised crime scene there was no, no clear evidence to go on um, investigators also only ever took five photographs of the crime scene okay so there were four photographs taken of the bodies and I'm I'm toying with whether or not to post these on Instagram because there's like there's no gore but still seeing a body in a picture is yeah it's rough um, so I probably won't, but they are out there. There's only five. If you look up pictures of Hinterkaifeck, they're not gory crime scene photos, but just so you know that every single photo except for one does have a body in it. Wow. And it's the three different rooms. It's the barn. Um, and 
the two of the pictures of the barn, it's um, different configurations of what the bodies could have been found in because they weren't sure. Gotcha. Then it's the picture of Maria's bedroom, and then it's the the pram photo with baby Yosef inside. You don't see baby Yosef. It's just the pram, but it's a very eerie photo. So just, if you want to see them, they're out there, but just so you know, they are very haunting to look at. Yeah. Um, the fifth photo was just a picture of the outside of the farm. Just, just like a, yeah, that's the farm. I'm curious. I want to see it. I do want to know. I'll post that one on Instagram for sure. Mm-hmm. Like that one, that one will be up there. And maybe I'll post the crib photo, but it's, it's still, it's. Yeah. It's spooky. It is. It sounds, it sounds just the description of it is like. They're, they're very eerie. Um, also, another uh, problem with this whole thing was that no fingerprints were ever taken. I mean, would it even made a difference with so many people coming in and out? Probably not. But at the same time, I feel like Possibly. that's part of their job in general to do it, to just to do an yeah, extensive and it's search. Like, like, I'm sure that there were rooms as well that people didn't go in. Yeah. Like, and like maybe, you know, especially in the attic, I'm pretty sure nobody was taking tours of the attic. Yeah. That that scene was pretty untouched, so like that probably would have been very, very viable. Even, even trying to do it on the murder web, I know that it is been wiped clean or whatever you know what i mean like there's certain things that i just feel like why not just let's let's you know do it on some of the door handles let's do it on some of those surface areas where i don't know just for funsies let's let's just why not because it couldn't hurt yeah and and they were uh, reprimanded for this later because fingerprinting also was very common at this time so this wasn't like oh it's new technology we're not sure if it's going to work out like no fingerprinting was actually like pretty regularly implemented at this time even if it, it was the 1920s yeah so it's very shocking. So, like, shame on you. Police then interviewed Maria's sister, and they confirmed that Maria only moved in on the 31st of March. Uh, she said that she left at 6 p.m., so the crime must have occurred sometime after 6. I, was just, I know that we were discussing, like, the time that it happened, and it probably did, like you said, happen that night, considering, I know, older people usually go to bed a little bit earlier. Younger people usually stay up. She's probably, like you said, getting a tour of the house. The young kids are running around, showing around, and the parents are probably just, like, going up, you know, like, all right, we're going to get ready for bed. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. And then some weird shenanigans happened. Exactly right. Because Maria wasn't unpacked yet, and most of the victims were still wearing their day clothes, they figured that the crime occurred some sometime earlier in the evening, possibly 7.30, 8 o'clock, around that time. Yeah. That, it was just, it's, an, it's a guesstimation. Um, also, based on the investigation, it is presumed that Victoria was the first victim. She's kind of like the accepted victim number one. Then, one by one, Cecilia, Andreas, and then Celie were lured somehow into the barn. Each victim was bludgeoned with either a pickaxe or a matok. It was disproven that they were lured by sound, because they did conduct sound experiments. So they actually had police officers, like, scream and make noise in that barn, and they had other officers, like, located in the courtyard, inside the house, in various places of the farm. They could not hear a single noise that came out of that barn. So this thing was, like, soundproofed. That's crazy. And I, and I kind of believe it. I'm assuming that's unintentional, but, like... It's, um, my guess is probably it was probably insulated for the winter. This is Germany, and this is happening yeah. in in March. You know, the, the, the winter, like the snow is still melting. This thing is probably insulated to keep the like the heat in to like take care of the livestock. So, yeah. I, assuming that a little bit of insulation or some sort of padding inside of the walls is creating some sort of soundproofing, I would a hundred percent believe it. Well, and snow already creates such a, a muffle like to sound anyway. It's such a barrier and helps like. 
yeah. really muffle so much of it. So it's that alone. It, I mean, we were talking about seeing footprints in the snow and stuff like that. If it's snowing around and there's a lot of snow, that alone is going to do it. And like you said, if it's they just happen to find the one part of the house that is like the most insulated, they it's unfortunately almost like the perfect crime. And I mean, also this room is full of hay as well. It's full of this, you know, this this animal feed yeah. and fodder. And like I'm sure that's packed to the walls as well. So not only uh, is it probably insulated inside, it's got the snow on the outside. It's probably got hay up the walls and everything on the inside. So, yeah. like, do I find that hard to believe? Not really. I I would believe that. Yeah, it was probably a, quite hard to hear. Yeah, and that was one of my questions originally: was how did none of the neighbors even hear this happening? Because I'm sorry, someone gets hit in the head with one of these things, you're gonna hear a scream, you're gonna yeah. hear something. But if this is happening in an almost soundproof area, I and mean that's. And it's considered well, it's done one by one. They were probably all killed by surprise. I'm going to absolutely yeah. like take a stab at this one. It wasn't confirmed. But like if they're lured one by one into this barn somehow, and if they probably weren't lured by sound, but maybe they were looking for each other, and they're coming in yeah. one by one, and someone's got the upper hand, they've got this tool in their hands, it doesn't take much to, to silence. Like, yeah. one hit's going to do it. One hit, yeah. Yeah, and some and some of the bodies only had one hit. Like, yeah. So that's kind of the, the considered order for the barn. It was Victoria, Cecilia, Andreas, and Celie, but we don't know for sure. Um, I, have, I just I have another looming question, but I will hold it for now. Okay, because I might, I might get to it. Yeah, I feel like you might answer it. Um, perfect. So what uh, kind of speculated that the victims went into the barn as kind of like part of a nighttime routine so maybe it was Victoria's chore she had to go like tie up this crazy cow that just keeps escaping and you know she's yeah. the hysterical woman so you know send her out on her own like get her get, get her fresh air so it's it speculated that this was either Victoria's chore or maybe a punishment because she was being uh, disfavorable with her father so she went out to the barn alone she was attacked when she didn't return, various family members went out to investigate. So, of course, you know, if Cecilia is the next victim, supposedly, of course, Andreas like, go see what your daughter's up to. Like, go on, woman, go find your daughter. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm gonna get out of my bed. I'm in my nightclothes already, but I'll go to the barn and see what Victoria's doing. Bam. Disappeared. Andreas is like, both the women aren't coming back. I'm gonna go investigate. Goes to the barn. Bam. Then, of course, then there's baby Celie, who's nine years old. He's suddenly like, all of the adults are just gone missing. Like, yeah. where, did, where did they go? Or maybe she saw them go into the barn and they haven't come out yet. She's like, oh, maybe there's something going on in there. Like, I want to see. Like, maybe there's a crazy, yeah, like... My, like, whole, my yeah. whole family's in there. What's going on? There's a party yeah. and I'm not invited. Yeah, like, I want to see what's going on. Yeah. And then oh, geez. possibly learn it girl. that way. Yeah. yeah. But this is all speculation I, from me and from a bunch of other sources. I don't know. It's not confirmed. We just don't know. Yeah. I mean, you really got it. There's only so many ways you can lure people out if sound is not a factor. So... Yeah. So, from the barn, the killer then made their way into the main house, possibly by the same method that Lorenz did through the stables into the main house. It's presumed that Maria was the next one killed. It was the housemaid. Gotcha. She, it would also make sense she would be the next biggest ox well. She's the last adult in the house, and she's an unexpected adult in the house. Yeah. Then, of course, the only one that's left is baby Yosef, defenseless baby in a stroller. He really didn't stand a chance. He could not defend himself in any way, shape, or form. Killed in his mother's bedroom. Yeah. So, over 3,000 people came to the burial. Wow. Most were not really friends of the family, though. They were more curious onlookers. Yeah. 
All six victims were buried two days later in a cemetery in Weidhofen without their heads. Okay. They are still without their heads. They never returned the heads to these poor people. Well, let me remind you that there's something called a world war happening at the time. I forgot and about that. Kind, that. Yeah, there's World War One is happening at this time, specifically in Germany. So that kind of put a damper on a lot of forensic investigation at the time. They were kind of like, we'll need to get through the war first, and then we can like, yeah, we can call the psychics and they can come look at these heads. Yeah. But then a second world war happened. Sometime during this, the skulls were stored in a justice building in Augsburg. And either Augsburg was bombed or something happened, but the heads were lost during this time. And it is expected that they were destroyed during an Allied bombing, but it was never confirmed. The heads just disappeared. They were lost. Wow. So we will never get to look at those heads. We don't have them. They're gone. And the bodies never will never get their heads. They're now they're just they're still just lying there without their heads. What a strange end to such a strange happening. Yeah. So, suspects. Let's talk about suspects. Yeah, I think we all are putting a pretty heavy finger right now at one suspicious neighbor. I, I would say neighbor. one of us is pointing a finger at a suspicious neighbor, but we'll get into it. Hey, I'm talking about me and our spookery listeners right now, okay? It's me, <laughs> it's they me might not be... They might not be with you on this one. No, Who they're knows? on my Let's side. See. Tell them, chat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. So over a hundred suspects were questioned. How do they have a hundred? A hundred suspects because the groupers were, they were a family that people had a lot of disagreements with. An arrest for this particular crime was never made. Wow. No one was specifically arrested for the murder of Hinterkaifeck. A lot of people were, were kind of detained, but no one was ever arrested. Okay. One year after the murders, the Hinterkaifeck farm was demolished. That is very unsatisfying. As it was being demolished, however, the police were called to the scene. What did they find? So, turns out, this attic also had a false floor. There was a space between the attic and the first floor that things could be stored in. So there was some loose floorboards. There were loose floorboards, but I also wonder, like, if there were loose floorboards, like, why didn't they immediately find the space? Yeah, that is, is really why. suspicious. So maybe parts of it had this false floor. Maybe they didn't have those people. That's why I kind of take that piece of information with a grain of salt. But it was confirmed that this attic had this false floor. 100% that was confirmed. That's why I'm kind of like, maybe there wasn't these like peephole tiles. Maybe that was just kind of over oral tradition or records or something. Maybe that yeah. was added to be more creepy. So take that piece of evidence with a, with a grain of salt. Maybe it was different parts of the attic, but this false floor is confirmed. So as this false floor is being torn apart, what would appear but a blood-stained mattock and a penknife? Wow. The mattock had a screw on the handle that was star-shaped. Wow, okay. Were they able to do anything with this? Please. It the screw matched perfectly with Victoria's star-shaped wounds, but no usable evidence was ever pulled from the mattock other than confirming that it was, in fact, the murder weapon. So the clean pickaxe wasn't the murder weapon. This tool was the murder weapon. That is... But they never got any fingerprints off of it. They never got any other viable evidence off of the mattock. And nothing else was found in this crawl space or this, like, hidden 
four. Just the mattock and a penknife. That's and the penknife is kind of, it's it's a weird piece of evidence in some suspects. It was like, they stole a penknife. They bragged about having a penknife. And in others, it's like, they they knew that the penknife was there, but it was never found. And it was like, it's kind of one of a weird one where it's like a he said, she said. So they did find a penknife in this false floor. But do I believe that it has any significance to the crime? Maybe the killer just really liked it. Hmm. But I don't think it's something to accuse someone of murder over. Yeah. So, let's talk about our favorite suspects. Yeah. So, originally, so let's talk about the original motive. So, police come into this crime scene, they're like, 100% the motive is robbery. This is a wealthy, secluded family. They've got a lot of money. They're very secretive. So, chances are, someone came into this house and they were like, we want your money. Give us your money. Um, however, inside the house, large amounts of money were found untouched. Hmm. So that kind of dashed that theory really quickly. They're like, no, actually robbery, robbery ain't it. Yeah. Because they were really quick. They were also like, let's let's blame the vagrants and the drifters of, of, of Kaifek. It's 100% that let's just grab a random person off the street like you took the money. Yeah. But the money was never stolen. Hmm. So, okay, so let's talk about your favorite suspect. Yes, please. Tell me why it let's, wasn't him, but I want to believe let's, it is. <laughs> let's talk about Lorenz Schlittenbauer. The neighbor. So, for those who have forgotten, Lorenz was the one who had the relationship with Victoria, and he was the suspected father of baby Yosef, had a very rocky relationship with the family, particularly Andreas. He was a farmer, so he knew how to care for animals. Mm-hmm. So the livestock being cared for kind of makes sense. He was also the one to discover the bodies and had a very strong familiarity with the farm. He was able to navigate it. He knew, like, which doors led to which doors. He was also able to give tours of said crime scene. Yeah. So, uh, Lorenz was also uh, one to tamper with the bodies. Um, And the other two men who were with him, as well as the police, were very quick to say, hey, he's behaving really strangely. Specifically, like, he knew exactly where to find the bodies when they were being discovered. He was also apparently very blank and he was also kind of, like, very numb to the situation. Mm-hmm. But I also know that that's also a sign of grief. And especially yeah. if he cared about Victoria or Yosef in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Like, grief grief manifests in all sorts of weird ways. And, of course, you're going to feel feelings that you don't know how to feel. And maybe, like, his way of grief is, like, I'm, a tour, I'm, a, I'm the tour guide of the, of the village. I, 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 I've just lost two people that I cared about to some degree. Yeah. He's going to go into work mode. Yeah. I went, like, when I've gone through grief, I've gone into work mode 100%. So I, I get it. And of course, like, someone's like, he's not bawling, he's not screaming, he's not crying for th- these people. Like, they're like, oh, he's acting weird. But, like. But also, I feel like they would have noted that he was acting weird if he had done those things because they'd be like, hey, you didn't care about these people that much. Why are you crying? Like, yeah. So I think and no matter it's... what he would have done in this situation, it would have been looked at as suspect. But I, that being said, I am still suspect of him. Fair. So let's, like, of course, let's talk about covering bodies. That's a very personal thing. You know, mm-hmm. when you cover bodies, it usually says, like, either I have a connection with this person or I feel some sort of remorse for this person or I don't want to, like, kind of face what I did. I don't want to look at it. Yeah. And, of course, if he knew this family, he was acquainted with this family, been spying on this family, of course, like, 
he has this connection to this family. Of course, it would make sense if he killed them. Of course, he would want to cover them. He's like, I'm sorry, like, especially baby Yosef and Victoria. And if Victoria was the first victim and baby Yosef was the last one, it's an incomplete crime scene. Of course, he's going to feel like I need to just cover this, like, cover my mistake because yeah. I didn't do this. It was it was incomplete. So it also is very interesting to note as well that the majority of the family was together, but the baby was left by themselves and so was the maid because the maid is not part of the family at all and baby Yosef would have been someone who is like kind of part of the family but not really so if this was him that did this he might have in his own weird way wanted to leave him by himself instead of putting him with the because he's like he's my son maybe but it's also like if he had spared baby Yosef like a suspicion would immediately fall on him be like why did, was the baby spared yeah because it's someone who has this connection with this child so Maybe it was that, like, to, to make sure, like, I'm not suspected, I've got to do it this way. Possibly. Yeah. It's a it's a very, it's it's a very strange situation. Uh, family dog also apparently acted strangely toward him, clearly more afraid of, of Lorenz than the others. So, and the dog was slightly injured. It had, a, like, a small wound over one of its eyes, but it was, like, it was fine. It was just like a graze. Yeah. But of course, if, you know, if a dog is struck, it's going to remember the person that struck it. Absolutely. So and there's you, that to consider. And I mean, if this dog was in the barn as this attack is taking place, like maybe the dog tried to defend the owner in some capacity. And that's how like it got hurt. Like you said, and now like he kind of knows the dog because he's been living next to it. So the dog is like scared of him now, but also knows who he is. Like that's a weird relationship to have with it. I can you not tell that I'm very convinced that it is Lorenz. So every time we no, talk 100%. about this evidence, I'm and like, yes, it ties directly to him. No, 100%. And I and I I I understand completely because this is 100% what I believed it was too. When I went into this research, I 100% without a doubt in my mind was like it's this man. Yeah. It's this man for sure. Yeah. But there was one piece of evidence that was really bothering me and I couldn't I couldn't rationalize it in my head. And as soon as I kind of came to the conclusion that I can't rationalize this one piece of evidence, the rest of it kind of fell apart for me. And, and the piece of evidence that really bothered me was the newspaper. The very first piece of evidence, this Munich newspaper, yeah. the March 1922. Why would Lorenz have this newspaper? He never went to Munich. There was no record of him traveling to Munich. Yeah. If he's the neighbor, if he's in this town, if he's... This, this town guide, if he's this figurehead of society, people would have immediately been like, that's so weird. That's, Lorenz was just in Munich. Mm -hmm. Especially when they were quick to start blaming him a little bit later. Like, a hundred percent. But this newspaper, I could not, like, if it was Lorenz, if it was Lorenz Schlittenbauer, why would he have a German that random newspaper, newspaper and bring it to Bavaria and leave it in this house? Yeah. And then I started thinking about the rest of the evidence. So the other, like, key, and uh, especially the one that really, like, kind of pegs him is this house key, right? Yeah. He produces this house key, and he's, like, he knows the familiarity of the farm. Allow me to pose a counter theory. Absolutely, please do. What if Lorenz Schlittenbauer and Victoria Gabrielle never stopped being lovers? Hmm. What if... They were still seeing each other secretly. Andreas didn't approve. He was banning this relationship. But the two of them still had these kind of feelings for each other. Yeah. So what if Victoria gives this house key to Lorenz to come see her at night? What if this is how they meet up? What if this is how they connect? What if this is how... 
But, and I understand, Lorenz was very quick to say Joseph is not his son. He remarried. Lorenz had a second wife yeah. during the time of Hinterkaifeck. He was remarried shortly after uh, Victoria was like, nope, I can't marry her. So he he was put into an arranged marriage with another woman. Oh, okay. Who brought her own kids into the relationship. Ah. So suddenly he's in this marriage he doesn't want, and his neighbor is this woman that he did want. And he has a his own son with mm-hmm. this woman. And and she and she still kind of wants him. She's very keen to be like you're, the father of my child. Here's the this house. Maybe she took the house key and gave it to Lorenz. Of course, she's not going to tell her father. Of yeah. course, she's not going to tell her family that she gave the house key to Lorenz. And that's their midnight rendezvous. Maybe why Victoria went to the barn in the first place at night wasn't because of a chore, because maybe that's where Lorenz and her met up. Hmm. That is interesting. Just a just a, a possible theory. Yeah. And it kind of does explain why he had these feelings where he couldn't outwardly be, like, in shock because he's, he's married. Mm-hmm. And not only would he continue to tarnish Victoria and this family, but he would tarnish himself being like, yeah, I was having this, my, this, this love affair that I had with her continued. Yeah. And, you know, he's married to another woman, but, you know, he's, he's clearly shown that he really likes Victoria. Yeah. He needs a Victoria in his life. He needs a Victoria in his life, and his new wife's name was not Victoria. So no, he had to get a. I think her name somewhere. was Anna. Anna, which is like, come on, yeah. So that yeah. would be my counter theory to that. Would be like, hmm. Yes, he was behaving suspiciously, but maybe not for the reasons that we thought. Yeah, and maybe he couldn't outwardly show his grief because that would just make the whole situation way, way worse. Yeah. I mean, that is a pretty plausible theory, and especially one that really does fit the narrative at the time that they were in. I mean, all of the the evidence is, is there for that. And I think, like you said, the, the biggest thing that really does make him as a suspect fall apart is really that newspaper at the end of the day. Like, that, that really... I had kind of completely forgotten about that, to be honest with you, because it really was the first piece of evidence that we introduced. And from there, it was all just very circumstantial. There's stuff in the snow. There, you know, footprints in the snow. There's... Housekey going missing things, you know, that all like a neighbor really could do. He could have found a way to get back to his house without leaving. I don't know. You know, like he is right there. Like, I I don't know. But that really is one where it's like that cannot be explained. And And I'm almost like I'm almost like like some of this this stuff that really leads to someone living in the house for six months up and four days after. Like, you know, those footprints in the snow, they very well may have been may have been Lorenz's. But mm-hmm. maybe that was him just going to the barn to meet up with Victoria and then he spent the night. Exactly. Andreas found the footprints, didn't see them leaving. And he's like, oh, that's so weird because yeah. he hadn't left yet. He's in the barn he's with Victoria. still in there. Yeah. And like you said, the key going missing was just kind of act like, you know, Victoria sees all this other stuff going wrong in the house. And she's like, it's the perfect time. Oh, the key went missing. It just, you know, along with all these other things happening in the house. Yeah. And she just is like passes him the key real quick. No one will and know right all, now. And all of the reports of the weird stuff happening, and I cannot stress this enough, the, the, all of the reports of the weird things happening in the house were Andreas telling the story to neighbors. Yeah. The rest of the family didn't have a say in it. Andreas was, was, he was the mouthpiece of the family. So of course he's going to tell the people his perspective of the weird stuff. Yeah. And maybe Victoria and Lorenz are having this affair. They're meeting each other in this barn. But Andreas doesn't know about it, so he's just like, here's just a clump of weird stuff. And the neighbor's like, yeah, that's all connected. And maybe it, it wasn't. Hmm. Maybe it wasn't. So. So. 
counter, we need to discuss more of your theory then of, of them having a secret relationship. Where is his current wife during all of this? Where is she, where is Anna? Would should she go to Germany and get this newspaper? Is that a possibility? Who possibly? I need. A, I I didn't look much into Anna because she really does not come up in this story. And possibly, yes, she might have gone to Munich, but why would she bring a newspaper back with her? I don't know because she needed something to read while she was sitting in their house for hours. I don't know, waiting for her. Possibly, husband. but then why would Lorenz bring it into the into the house with him? No, um, well, the the wife is the one that Anna is the one that snuck into the house because she was sitting in their house waiting to see if Lorenz would come over to be with Victoria. So it was a whole scene. So you think Anna was inside the Grouper house? Yeah. But then, surely, like, if she's waiting inside the Grouper house, would Andreas know that she's there? She's like, I'm looking for my husband. Or is she the one in the attic? She's the one in the attic. You think the wife is the one in the attic? She's 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 hosting a stakeout in the Gruber's house, waiting for her husband to come over to see if he's having an affair. Possibly. It's very possible. And then when she found out that they were, chop, chop. Maybe. No, I, very, I, I know, really have. It's I have as viable no, as all of my theories yeah. have been blown out the window. The only question that I really have remaining, because I just think it is so suspicious, is the timing of the maid arriving. Why? Like, I almost wonder if that was a catalyst to this entire thing. Was just an I, unexpected person arriving at the farm. And, and and it's it's such a weird thing to think about. Like, is it? You know, was the the murder always set to be on this day? And it was just a really unfortunate timing that that just happened to be the day that she showed up or was she like another person introduced into this house and the killer was just like I can't do this yeah that's too many people it was just five before and I was circumventing but the sixth person and you know also remember Maria was a a quote like apparently according to her sister she was mentally handicapped yeah so maybe that was an entirely like different circumstance I don't know. It makes you. It just makes you wonder. Of like, okay, she arrives at literally six o'clock, and by seven thirty, like this family is being murdered. So it's like, what? I, I really yeah. feel like her arrival was in some way some sort of a catalyst because it's just like, why for six months is this person living there with no problem, being undetected, and then all of a sudden this person arrives, and within an hour and a half, like the entire family is gone. Like, I think there is a little bit of. I have no like real evidence other than just my strong gut feeling towards that, but I feel like that it, there's something to that. Like, of maybe, yeah, maybe she saw this person and they're like, oh, I work on the farm, but they're going like, fuck, I just got caught, like I have to do something now, like. Like that excuse is not going to last for long. Like so, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, it's such, and it, and it. I don't think we'll ever have that answer. Yeah, but it, yeah, it really is. Like, was she the catalyst, or was she just a really unfortunate coincidence? And and we'll, we'll never just know. we'll never know. Well, that's one suspect. Shall we get to the others? Yeah, I I don't have any other suspects. So yes, so let's talk about some other kind of widely agreed upon suspects. Yeah. So, uh, suspect suspect number two, Carl Gabriel, Victoria's deceased husband. Oh, yeah, he was a suspect. How so? So, let's let's just talk about it for a little bit. He was drafted into World War One, and he was killed <laughs> in Arras. Arras, Arras, Arras. I'm sorry, French people. Arras. I was so I was in so Germany town like mentality that I didn't look up my French pronunciations. I'm so sorry, but Arras, Arras, France. Arras. A-R-R-A-S. Arras. Okay. Yeah. He was killed in Arras, France by a shell attack in December 1914. Eight years before the murder. Yeah. But wait! 
someone was applying video game rules here because the body was never recovered, and as we all know, if there's no body, they're not dead. That's the truth. Yeah, so, so people were very quick to be like, hey, did he actually even die? If we never got a body, and we just got a letter that said, yeah, he's, he's, he's dead, so... But there was no confirmation other than he, there, a letter was sent back to Hinterkaifeck going, whoops, Carl Gabriel died. So sorry. Um, I mean, that is an interesting take on that. What would be his motive? So, theory is, right? He comes back home after being injured in the war. You know, he disappears off of the battlefield. Everyone's like, oh my god, he's dead. But actually, no, he's just wounded and he returns home. Only to find his wife being abused by his father-in-law. And suddenly she has this second child who is very much definitely not his. So, there are reports that Carl Gabriel left Kinterkaifeck before being drafted. You know, he spent like two months at the farm and then he like went back to his family farm before he was drafted into the war. So that kind of was like, okay, so maybe he didn't get along with the family. He butted heads with Andreas. He didn't like how his father-in-law was treating his wife. He didn't like how it was on the farm. Mm-hmm. So then suddenly he comes home, sees what's what's happening, and he just loses it. So he takes his anger and his betrayal out on the family and then just disappears. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not the most implausible thing to happen. Yeah. But... Well, see, the one thing that kind of backed up this theory was according to records at the end of World War II, so not the war that he was killed in, the war after... Mm-hmm. War captives from Bavaria were sent home by a German-speaking Soviet officer who claimed to be the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. What? Yeah. It was also apparently common knowledge that Carl Gabriel really wanted to go to Russia after World War I. So the speculation was he committed the crimes, fled to Russia, became a Russian soldier. And then when World War II kicked off and they were capturing German soldiers... He was kind of like the go-to guy to like speak in the native tongue, but he was a Russian soldier. Interesting. These war okay. captains from Bavaria also later changed their statements, so, you know, like take yeah. that with a grain of salt. But it's an interesting theory, I think. It's something to ponder, not something to consider. You know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah, I, definitely. That is definitely one yeah, for the books. there you go. But we'll move on from Carl Gabriel, because that's really all there is to his, his theory. So the next one are three suspects. So it's the Beekler brothers and George Siegel. Remind me again who... We have not met any of these people. Oh, cool. I'm like, I don't recall these men. No, yeah, and you never will. Perfect. Tell me who they are. We do. We did have a man named Jacob <laughs> Siegel, but I don't know if he was related to George Siegel in any sort of way. I was like, I remember Siegel. That's Yes, okay. Jacob okay. Siegel was one who investigated the house, but I don't know if this George Siegel was related in any way, shape, or form, or if it was just a common last name. They didn't make mention that they were any of them related, but that's something maybe to look into for the recap. Yeah, okay. And so tell me their theory. So... Pretty much right after Hinterkaifeck, the previous maid, Crescent Stryger, I said she was going to come back. You sure yeah. did. She, of course, made a statement to the police. She's like, yeah, I was the previous housemaid, you know, thought maybe we should look into these people. And she was like, I 100% believe that the person who committed the crimes were two men named Anton and Carl Beekler. Okay. So... Anton and Carl were old farmhands of Hinterkaifeck who had been terminated. All right. So they had previously helped out with potato harvest, and they were very, very familiar with the farm. 
and they also knew how to care for animals. The family dog was also incredibly familiar with them, and Riker specifically mentioned that the dog never barked at Anton. Mm. And this dog barked at everybody. It barked at her, it barked at Andreas, it barked at Victoria, but it never barked at Anton. Okay, the perfect person. The Beekler brothers would often talk to Riker during her stint in the haunted Kinterkaifeck, mm-hmm. and would off. Uh, and they were not afraid to badmouth their employers, stating that the whole family ought to be dead. Ah, okay. Yeah, Riker also mentioned that someone would whisper to her uh, to her through her window at night and asked about information of the family, and she was very clear that she never told them anything. Why was this the first time you're mentioning this random, like, voice just like, tell me the secrets of the family? Well, that she is... thought the house was haunted. I, that's true. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Question answered. But, but later she was like, actually, no, it wasn't the ghost of the, the, the Hinterkaifeck. She actually believed that this person was Carl Beekler whispering to her through her window. That is so creepy. Now, she also believed that the two brothers teamed up with a man named George Siegel, who also used to work at the farm. Mm. So he would also really be really familiar with the layout. He would know how to care for animals. Um, Siegel also allegedly broke into Hinterkaifeck a number of times and would steal a number of items such as food, equipment, you know, a couple of possessions. And he, you know, he was like, I never did that. That's, that's, that's Tom Fuller. I would never do such a thing. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting theory that someone was continuously Yeah. And in. I mean, if you think about it, like thinking about it not just being one suspect but multiple that would make the murders much more achievable yeah you know if you've got two people in the barn just you know as people are walking in just off and off and off and then you've got that other person coming into the house and doing it that way you know doesn't matter if they could have heard something you know it's all happening in very quick succession yeah so there's that to think about here's another little fun tidbit about this particular theory Siegel George Siegel did admit to carving the handle of the murder weapon. How does he even... So he made the handle of the murder weapon while working at Hinterkaifeck and knew where the tool would have been stored normally. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. Just a... I thought this one was kind of cool. Yeah. Do I believe it? I don't know. But it's I... a very... It's as viable as, as Lorenz Schlittenbauer. Yeah, honestly, it is. It random you know i mean stranger things have happened and absolutely employees wanting you know their boss dead that is a a trope that we see time and time again in true crime almost as as much as we see you know like lovers quarrels i mean that is just something that is so common and especially just in a time period where it seems like you know they just had the opportunity and you know what what the heck was anyone gonna do about it yeah so and you know, and I think as fun as the whimsy and, and the mystery of Hinterkaifeck, you know, being able to sum it down to three disgruntled ex-employees, you know, as it kind of ruins the illusion and the mystique of Hinterkaifeck, but it's just as viable and, you know, it's possibly very probable. Like, it was just three people who were like, I don't like this family and I want them dead. Yeah, we, we know about the house. We feel like they owe us more than they gave us. And let's go take what's ours. You know what I mean? Like some some sort of like that, you know, injustice story of like we're we're making the score even. And yeah. you know, maybe they were going there to steal stuff eventually. Like that was like their goal, and maybe it turned into revenge. And then 
things happened before they could take the money. Who knows? Who knows really what could have happened in the situation? This is just such a yeah. bizarre case. Yeah, and it it really is like do you you kind of you kind of feel that compulsion like I want it to be just as bizarre, but maybe it's not. But maybe it should be. But maybe it's not. So yeah, yeah. So moving into the future a little bit. Yeah. Out of out of the the current suspects in two thousand and seven. 15 students of a police academy in Furstenfeldbruck I really hope I said that right examined the case using modern forensic techniques so they took a look at Hinterkaifeck with everything that they had the pictures, you know, the lack of fingerprints they, they analyzed every little piece of information that they had and they kind of redid the investigation interesting, so I like that they applauded the meticulousness of the original investigation, especially with all things considered, you know, the police department being so far away, you know, how much they trampled over it. But they were also really quick to criticize the lack of fingerprinting, which was commonplace at the time, and, so, and the small number of photos that were taken, mm-hmm. as well as the loss of the heads, but that wasn't really in anyone's control. Yeah. Um, they also concluded that the murderer or murderers could no longer be identified at the time but all 15 students agreed on who they thought the murderer or murderers are. Real? All 15 of them agreed? All 15 of them agreed, but they refused to release the suspect or suspect's names out of consideration for their descendants. So, this police academy redid the research. They were like, we all agree that it's this person, but we're not going to tell you who it is because they have living descendants. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. So, I need to go see if... Yeah. So, our last suspect, which I thought this one was just kind of cool, and you know, it's just as viable as any other one. So, in 2017, a father-daughter duo named Bill James and Rachel McCarthy James released a book called *The Man from the Train*. It was originally intended to bring light to an American serial killer named Paul Mueller, who was a German immigrant who was suspected of murdering a variety of families across the U.S. with an axe. Oh. So, he was originally identified as the sole suspect of a 19, uh, sorry, an 1897 murder of a family in Massachusetts, and he led the police on a year-long manhunt. Oh, wow. An unsuccessful manhunt, I should say. They never caught him. Wow. He had been previously hired as a farmhand, specifically a lumberjack. Okay. The book talks about, like, a number of other axe murderers and the similarities between them all having been committed by some sort of axe. Uh Uh-huh. All murders appearing near a wooded area, and in all cases other than the first, the main suspects were all people who were local, so they weren't looking at someone who traveled. Especially at this time, the word, word serial killer didn't exist. This was not a term that people even floated about. So the police wouldn't even begin to think about all of these kind of weird axe murders being committed by the same person. It just wasn't like a, a train of thought for people. Yeah, I mean, as we even learned from Bonnie and Clyde, you know, like these police were not even working together. So not only would it not have been a thought, but like these these towns, if this is happening in different, like they would never even know that there's any sort of a connection happening. A hundred percent. So I'll, I'll talk, talk about some of the similarities from crime scene this time, and I'll talk about how many there were. So, all crime scenes were a walkable distance from a train station. The slaughter of an entire, uh, 
So there were also there was a slaughter of an entire family in the nighttime in towns with little or no police force. Wow. All families owned a barn. The killer used a blunt edge of an axe to kill. The murder weapon either belonged to the families originally or was found at the scene of the crime. Wow. All of the victims were covered. Bodies were moved or stacked after the killing. Wow. There was no sign of a robbery. And the killer is also presumed to have some sort of sadistic fascination with a prepubescent girl. That is some eerie similarities, I will not lie. So the, this killer's heyday was from 1890 to 1912, so 10 years before Hinterkaifeck. Yeah. And it was just kind of a rampage over the states. It's on, they, I'm sure some of the ones that they were suspected of you might have heard of. Um, the Jameses speculated that Mueller committed a minimum of 14 family murders, killing 59 victims, possibly up to 25 family murders, totaling 94 victims. Wow. And Hinterkaifeck could have been one of them. No, Hinterkaifeck was not included in this number. Oh, this okay. Is not including Hinterkaifeck. This particular suspect was brought up in the case of the Vasilla axe murder case. You might have heard of this one. This is a really, really famous axe murder. I almost did this one instead of Hinterkaifeck. Hmm. No, I don't think I've heard of it. I'm not too familiar with axe murders, to be honest with you. Fair. Like, I, I don't blame you. It's, <laughs> it's quite a thing to be familiar I got my cryptids, ma'am, and you got your axe murders. <laughs> yeah. Axe murders are all me. But Vasilla axe murder, it's 100% a case we'll cover eventually. But in this particular case of the axe murder, it was suspected to have been committed by a traveling assailant. Hmm. Now... Think about this in Hinterkaifeck, which was 10 years later. So this killer's heyday was 1890 to 1912, and Hinterkaifeck was committed in 1922, 10 years later. The suspect was allegedly a German immigrant who came to the States looking for work and was described as 35 in 1897. This means he would have been about 60 during the time of Hinterkaifeck. Hmm. Hinterkaifeck was two and a half miles away from the nearest train station. So it is a bit of a distance, but it is a possible distance, especially if it was a, 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 a house that he knew was secretive and people, like, didn't really associate with. Yeah, and that's, like, he hid there for a while, so he knew he didn't have to leave. Like, he felt comfortable yeah. hanging out, and he's like, I can make my way to the train station whenever I feel like it. Mm-hmm. This would also explain the Munich newspaper, because he took the train from Munich to Kaifeck. Not confirmed, and even the Jameses said, like, well, like, you know, it fits with Hinterkaifeck, but we're not sure if it is one. But I say it's just as plausible as any of the others, and it's just a good assessment. Yeah, almost more so, because it actually, there is a direct line between all of the evidence and this suspect. That's yeah. that's the one inconsistency with all the other ones that's really hard. Like you said, it's really that newspaper is just this random piece of evidence appearing with no reasoning. And this is the only suggestion that truly brings all of the pieces of the evidence together in one cohesive way. Wow. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And this is why, like, the newspaper bothered me so much, and I just, I couldn't accept that Lorenz was the one that brought the newspaper in because there was no record of him ever going to Munich. And then I just kept digging, and I kept digging, and I'm like, surely there's a suspect that has some connection to Munich where I can just explain this newspaper in, in some way. Yeah. And then this one popped up and I was like, you know, I don't, do I personally think it was Paul Mueller? 
You know, I don't know. I truly do not know who could have committed this. I will never know. Yeah. Do I think it's Lorenz Schlittenbauer? I did, and now I don't. I d- the newspaper bothers me too much for me to just sit idly by and like, yeah, you know what? We'll just ignore that piece of evidence and think it's him. I do not know who it is, and I and I welcome debates. I welcome opinions, theories, suspects. I 100% because this is such a weird case, and it, yeah, and we'll never know. We will never know. It really is just such a mind-boggling case, and the fact that we will never know, is it's just one of those things, it, it, it almost makes you want to keep guessing, because yeah. you, you just, you want to figure it out. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a spicy one. Yeah, no, you definitely did a fantastic job presenting it, and like I said, I am, as well done as that was, I, I'm only left with more questions, and unfortunately we will be plagued with those questions for the rest of time. Yeah. Oh wow! But write them down. Well, maybe we can talk about them in the recap. Like we can have yeah. a, a hot little hinterkaifeck debate. Absolutely. And yeah, who knows? Maybe by the time this comes out, maybe we will have a German friend who maybe can shed some light on you know something they've read there. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I missed something. Maybe there was a suspect that people accept that I just didn't find or I dismissed for the wrong reasons. Because I yeah I only talk about I think five four suspects during this Mm -hmm. and there were hundreds and some of them were she said this and he confessed to this and then this person came out but then they retracted and then they did this and then they did this and he was just acting weird two days before and it was yeah yeah it and yeah and I, i might have just didn't i didn't give someone the time of day maybe i don't know but these ones these these ones stuck up to me and i and i don't know who it is and and we'll never know and we'll never know wow Wow, wow, wow. Well, ma'am, that was definitely not the mass murder I was anticipating for the story today. Yeah, I think I I deliberately picked a a saucy one. I think at the end of Bonnie and Clyde, I said I was going to pick a fun mass murder, which is such an awful thing to say. But I, I mean, it's... It's different. It's it's a it's a it's a mystery. It's kind of a haunting at one point. It's a horror movie. It's it is. It's kind of got everything, really. It it really was just a thrilling tale from beginning to end. I mean, even just the setup of learning about the family's history and who they were as people and giving them real context and just making them characters, you know, like you you need to understand who these people are. Yeah. And, and uh, and and, the, and I think that's the end of the the, the story, right? Is you got to remember that everyone involved is a person, and you know, even if they're an awful person, even if they're a monster, even if they're, you know, so, someone that we didn't like, we 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 spoke badly about, we bad mouths, we we made fun of, whatever, they are still people, and nobody asked to get murdered, and it is nope. such it's such a vicious crime, and you know even though the Grubers maybe weren't necessarily the nicest of people they still deserve to have their story told and they still deserve to get some form of justice even if we can never do it ourselves absolutely absolutely could not have said it better I, that's why we're here is just yeah. tell the stories and try try to do what we can to just pass on the knowledge and in hopes that things like this will not happen again yeah but I really hope that I could at least, like, kind of give you, a, like, that shadow of a doubt that it was Lorenz. Because, like, I don't know, something just doesn't sit right about that crime. And I, and I, and I, this is something that I really, really noticed going through all of my resources is that every single resource was so quick to be like, it was 100% him. He's a sussy yeah. boy. And, and, and I mean, he is, undoubtedly. He is a 100%, sussy boy. 100%. 100% he's a sussy boy. But that, just because he acts strangely, 
doesn't mean that we can just write off a whole murder and say that it's him, especially when there's that one piece of evidence, that one little shred of evidence that just doesn't add to the jigsaw. We when we we have this when we were watching only murders in the building, mm-hmm. and you know we were so we were we were throwing theories left, right, and center. And and we were like, this makes sense, but this makes sense. But what about this? And like, oh, maybe we can like we can write that one off. That's a red herring. This is not. And then when the whole picture comes together, you're like, oh, okay, not a not a piece is left unturned. Yes, and that that really is, I think, like you said, the the biggest thing with this is just there's so many inconsistencies that not one theory really fits, other than the last one that you proposed and. It really is interesting. And that, at the end of the day, still could not be it. There could yeah. still be a myriad of other things that actually happened here. But it's just, it's just yeah. interesting. It's, it's, it's a wild case. It's a, it's a fun case. And yeah, and, and, and I, I highly encourage everyone, just kind of look at this, this story, look at this case, look at this, this, this horrible crime that happened, and make your own opinions. Do your own research. Please look through my sources. Tell me if I missed something. Tell me if it's 100% Lawrence. Tell me if it's 100% Paul Mueller. Tell me if it's 100% suspect number 84 that I didn't even look at. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we should keep talking about. And because conversation is how these things get solved. And I don't know. I thought it was a cool one. I like this story. This is one of my first ever true crime stories that I heard, which I mean, like, wow, what a heck in true crime story to hear, right? Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, especially if you've never heard anything like that before, a way to get you inducted into, like, the true crime world. Like, what a story. Yeah. Yeah. Hanser Kaifik was one of the one of the, my first ones, my first case where I was like, oh, like, it's wild out there. So I'm really glad that I could share this story. I'm kind of shocked that it ended up at the length that it did, but <laughs> I'm, I'm really proud of it. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. And just thank you for coming on this wild journey with me. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing us on this journey, lady. This was a story, like I said, I have heard the name Hinterkaifeck before, but I, I don't think I actually knew this story at all. I, I think the only piece of information from this that I actually recall hearing at some point in my life was the footprints in the snow with nothing leading away. But I, I never would have been able to tell you where it came from or why. Um, but now actually having the full context to that story only makes it creepier. It sure so, does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to know. No, but I am, I'm really grateful that you told this story. Um, I, I think our, our spookery listeners are really going to enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed talking about it and telling it and just going through this together. Yeah. Um, and I think it really set the mood for our stories next week where we're going to be even discussing more theories. Because oh, our, um, our whole topic is conspiracy theories. I am. I cannot tell you how excited I am for your conspiracy theory. Like I, As you can probably tell from, from today, I love this shit. I love being able to just pick apart pieces of evidence and go, it could be this, but it could be this, and this makes sense, but this would also make sense. I cannot wait to go on this adventure that you are setting up for us as we speak. And I cannot wait to just, I don't know, butt heads and, and bounce ideas with you all over it's again. Gonna, it's gonna be another long one and it's gonna be another unsolved one where we're going to list case after case after case of unsolved things and crazy stuff that happened. And then we're gonna just talk about all the different theories of what could have happened. I, so it is gonna be a very fun time. I'm very excited for the case. I, um, I love it. I'm so. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm shivering in my blanket. I'm so excited. But with that being said, I'm also very excited to see what you, Missy, get for your next topic. I 
I know. I feel, I feel weirdly enough, like this this cancer graphic felt like it took so long. I feel like I haven't had a new topic in a very long time, which is not true. I just I just got one. Yeah, this was this was very recent. We just this was yeah. very recent. I think Bonnie and Clyde and then Hinterkaifeck on top of each other is just kind of like I, I've just got this weird void. So I'm very keen to spin my wheel and figure out what my next case is. And please, spooky spirits, please give me something that isn't horrible and oh, gory please. and gruesome. I'm I'm like I'm like give me a, give me a hoax or a cover up or or haunting or give me what else yeah, is on this some wheel. Sort of- you already got cursed objects. I did. I already, I can't do that one again. <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not this again. season. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I could do a cult or a fire or. And I just need I need something like. I that would be fun. I need something supernatural or something kind of like off the wall, not true crime. I think yeah. I'm, I'm a little true crimed out because I've done a lot of true crime in succession. So yes, you have. So, yeah, you've done a lot of stuff based in reality. Let's give you something that's just wacky and spooky all together at the same time. Yeah, that's maybe right. we'll get our first duplicate. Maybe we won't. But Spooky yeah. Wheel, please don't let me down. Drum roll. Here we go. Spooky Wheel. Spooky Wheel. Spin, spin, make it real. Don't sound like you're in so much pain. I am in pain. Oh, the wheel of pain. I fucking knew it. What did you I get? I knew it. I knew this was coming. I knew it. I, f- I felt it. The universe told me that this was going to happen. My category is hearts and spades. You got it. Oh, my God. You got it. Hearts I and legit, spades. before this recording, I, I have vocalized to many a person about this and saying, I'm, something in the universe is telling me that I'm going to get this category. I just knew it. And you know what? Maybe I put that in the universe. Maybe that's not me, but I got hearts and spades. <laughs> you manifested it, ma'am. I did. Whether you wanted it or not, it's yours. Uh, I did. So <laughs> I guess we should explain this category because it's a bit of a strange name. So hearts and spades is basically, it's crimes of passion. It's jilted lovers. It's the husband did it. It's that category where it's couples that have fallen out of love and they are actively seeking to destroy each other, whether it is a crime of passion or it's an assassination attempt or it's something where, you know, it's a love triangle gone wrong. That's what this category is. And I literally knew I was getting it. I felt it in the in the universe. Uh, but I knew it was coming, so I'm ready for it. I have, a, I have my case for this one already. So you win this round, spookery wheel. <laughs> I know it is. Technically, this is definitely a true crime category. Absolutely. But I do think there are some things that you could do for this. That would be pretty fun. I I've got a I've got a fun one in the works. So uh, okay, good. I, I'm like you always got one ready to go when you get these categories. I'm, I got my master spreadsheet. I'm ready for this one. But man, oh man, how crazy that I literally manifest this into existence. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you have your beautiful laid out spreadsheet, and I have my like. F- just random hat that I reach into and I'm like, oh, in that case, yeah, we'll do that. Well, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very nice hat. <laughs> yeah, we all got our, uh, all got our ways, you know. We all, we all got our kinks, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right. Well, at least it's not a mass murder and it's not theft and fraud. So I, I accept, I accept the challenge of hearts and spades. Let's, let's do a, a crime of passion. Let's do, let's do lovers gone wrong. Let's do it. Let's, how fitting after Valentine's Day. Right? Yeah, I know. I, I was actually thinking, I'm like, man, that, that would have been a good category for Val, but Bonnie and Clyde was perfect. And Yeah. You know? All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Uh, well, hearts and spades. Hearts and spades. Well, 
Do you want to tease your conspiracy theory while I mull over my hearts and spades, ma'am? Do you want any gonna get a fun little, you know, just uh, something, some juicy tidbits for us to just chew on for the next week? You know, it's definitely one. I I promise you, you've all heard about it. It's one of those things. It's it's an it's a household name. It's something you've probably all heard about many times before. You've probably no. questioned, but I doubt that you know the full story. I doubt oh. that you know the facts from the fiction. Are you Uno reversing me, ma'am? Are you pulling a Hinter Kaifex slash Bonnie and Clyde slash Ouija board zombie at this current moment? I, I kind of am. You know, oh I went, you know, I asked myself, uh, what would Lady do? And she would <laughs> she would tease me. And so that's what I'm doing. I, I picked a case specifically for my lovely audience and my beautiful lady friend here that I just I know you guys are gonna enjoy it. It's it's a really fun one to discuss. Um and yeah, the theories for it range from actual plausible things to just the complete absurd i love it i'm so excited i can't wait to for i can't wait for you to tell me the title and for me to just lose my mind like you did with bonnie and Clyde. i am <laughs> oh i can just i can just taste it i'm so excited <laughs> all i can say is folks ships about to go down haha <laughs> oh. love it <laughs> and i know a thing or two about ships let me tell you 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 do you do actually so you'll you'll have some some insight. Mm. Well, yeah, I love. I'm it. excited. I can't wait. I ne- can't. It can't be next week soon enough. Let me tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is about that time to tell you where we can find us when we are not here talking to you in your ear. Yes. Where can they find us? You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on pretty much any social media at Spookery Podcast. You can indeed. You can find us on YouTube at Spookery Podcast. Um, or you can send, you can us, send a, us an email. Yeah, you can send us a Gmail at spookerypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, tell us your Kinderkaifek theories. Tell us your guesses for the conspiracy theory. Tell me what you think my hearts and spades will be. Absolutely. Tell me what your favorite color is. I don't mind. <clears throat> Just send us an email, you know? Absolutely. We do love to hear, you know, if anyone's listening out there, if you've made it to this point, I mean, like, we're episode, what, nine in the series? If yeah. you're listening, it's nine, a lot ten. of hours that you've spent with us. So yeah. we kind of, we want to know. We're we're needy people, okay? We want to, we want that validation. <laughs> we want that Twitter <laughs> verification. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but thank you guys so much for listening. It's It's been a blast. Yeah, and spe- oh, speaking of validation, if guys, if you're enjoying Spookery, and I know you are because you're on episode 9, 10, 11, whatever episode you're listening to at this current moment, please like consider leaving us a five-star review. Like, th- let us your, like, tell us your thoughts, tell us your feelings, tell us why you're liking the show, what do you want to see more of, please. Like, those reviews go so far in any sort of podcast algorithm. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and if there's something we can improve upon, please tell us. We will absolutely take your uh, advice, your feedback to heart. Yeah, so, tell us your scary stories. Tell us what cases you want to hear. Just talk to us. We are we are two us. spooky lovers, and if you love the spooky, we wanna we wanna yeah. talk to you. We just we just sat down and for three hours and chatted about a mass murder. Like let's let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. Tweeted us. <laughs> <laughs> they made tweets longer. Now we can talk more, friends. Let's talk on Twitter. <laughs> let's talk on Twitter. Do the kids say that nowadays? I don't know. You know, when I'm trying to get someone's attention, I'm like, hey, let's talk on Twitter. Let's tweet at each other. <laughs> yeah. Twitter blue, let's go. Let's add each other to our Twitter circles. <laughs> oh, <It's, 
It's all gone wrong. It's all gone wrong. It's all gone wrong. All right, we need to get out of here. <laughs> we need to go. Uh, until next oh. time, everybody. Stay spooky. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>